Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan here with Matthew Statler. And we're back at it again, continuing down the road of the five solas. Matt, if I said the name Howard Shore to you, would that give you any sort of uh, thought or memory of anything nope. else? Not at all. Well, good. Then you're going to learn something today, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Howard Shore was the composer for the Lord of the Rings. All of oh, yeah. all of the he did all the music, right? And you yeah, know, I was yeah. thinking about this idea of composing, and um, what it what it is is there's this guy who stands at the front and puts together this beautiful array of music and unites it all together into one harmonic sound that's working together to tell a story or to to accomplish whatever that composer set out to accomplish. You know, as we've been talking about salvation, Matt, we've been talking a lot about um, how that foundation, the notes, if you will, is is found in the in the Bible and Scripture alone, right? And but more importantly, we see uh, what we're going to talk about today is this idea of Christ alone, this 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 supreme composer of our salvation. And in all that that entails and all of who he is. And so, you know, this morning or this morning, this uh, today, whatever time you're listening, uh, man, that's kind of the road we want to take. We want to look at the uh, composing nature of Christ and uh, who he is and why it is through Christ and Christ alone that we find salvation. Yeah, so B.B. Warfield, he writes, The saving power of faith resides thus, not in itself, but in the Almighty Savior on whom it rests. And I think that's helpful as we approach this, right? We, we, we talked about Scripture alone um, mm-hmm. and how Scripture alone is, is our foundation, but also Christ alone. And Christ alone is... Christ is the subject of Scripture. Uh, all of Scripture points to Christ. It is about Christ. It's to glorify Christ, to honor Christ, to elevate Christ, and to bring all things into completion in Christ. And to right? make us wise about Christ. To make us wise about Christ. And so uh, the value of Scripture is only as valuable in that it shows us Christ. It shows right. us who Christ is. Uh, because God, the Father, chose to have Christ the Son, they agreed before t- uh, time began yeah. uh, to mediate this covenant. And so, what we, what I think is important is using that composition language that we uh, we want to get on the same key. Uh, we want to get on the same uh, same sheet of paper, same sheet of music. And for Neil and I, uh, we really hold to the uh, London Baptist Confession of Faith. It's kind of like a systematic theology in miniature that's portable and practical that we can take with us. Um, And so in there, they talk about this subject. They they really um, express it in a way that they are they're pulling the information from Scripture in order to systematize it so that we can understand it better. And so I really like how they put it, Neil. Yeah, so in chapter 8 of the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession, uh, it, 
it says, It pleased God in His eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, His only begotten Son, according to the covenant made between them both, to the mediator between God and man, the prophet, priest, and king, head and savior of His church, the heir of all things, and judge of the world, unto whom unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be a seed and to be by him in time redeemed called justified sanctified and glorified so really matt you know if we were to kind of take some some notes from that statement some key some key language um the first um key thing about christ that we learn is that he's mediator between god and man and so that's really important for us to understand uh, because we to understand that rightly, we must first understand what our station is. Why do we need a mediator, right? And how would you go about framing that uh, concisely? Man, I'm so glad you asked, Neil, because um, I'm, I'm preaching through Genesis again. Uh, we're back in Genesis, and we just got to the calling of Abraham or Abram to Abraham. And in it, it mentions that his seed, his offspring, will uh will be blessed and will bless right and what's interesting is that same word for seed is mentioned all the way back in genesis chapter 3 verse 15 right Mm -hmm. the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent and so the promise of a mediator all throughout scripture from genesis chapter 3 onward is is fulfilled in christ yeah. And so we need a mediator. We need the seed. Um, even our in our uh, our confession even says that his seed, um, because of his him being the seed, he creates us. He has right. an offspring. Um, so anyways, what, what I'm trying to get at is we need a mediator because of the fall, because of sin in the world, because of sin um, all around us. And so um, without that with that sin, which is a barrier between us and God, a holy and perfect God, God being perfect uh, in everything, morally pure. Uh, and we are, of course, tainted with the fall of Adam, our our former, former federal head. Right. Uh, we are um, unable to approach the Lord or to, to approach God. Yeah. And, you know, Jesus teaches in Luke 16, Matt, um, in telling this story about a rich man, Lazarus, um, that, you know, Lazarus goes to the bosom of Abraham and the rich man goes into Hades and, and in Hades, the rich man looks up, he sees Abraham and Lazarus. And he says, you know, father Abraham, send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and, uh, to cool my tongue. Cause I'm in anguish in Abraham's response. Jesus says is, um, you know, in life you had your good things and Lazarus had his bad things, but now you know, there's been a reversal, but even if we wanted to, he says, there is this great chasm keeping us from going to you and you from being able to come to us. And so Jesus lays out himself that there is this, this, uh, uncrossable chasm that's established for the purpose of separation, which you know draws back to your point. Well, why is there separation? Well, because God is holy and the curse has gone far and wide, right? And yeah. and that includes every person. 
you know? And so why do we need a mediator? You know, many, many people kind of communicate the gospel message uh, as Christ as some of, of this bridge kind of figure. Uh, the mediator is someone who stands in the gap and does what you cannot do. And what does he do is the question, right? And and in that question, we find um, some some uh, titles that are attributed to Christ. In that in that confession, we we see that he is labeled as a prophet. He's labeled as a priest, and he's labeled as a king. He's all of those things simultaneously. And why is that so important? Um, maybe over the next few mo- uh, minutes, uh, Matt, you want to, we can we can map out what does it mean that Christ as prophet? What is the, the implications for that? What does it mean? What does it mean a priest? Same so, so forth with king and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, so Christ yeah, as Deut- prophet. Yeah, as prophet. So Deuteronomy 18.15 says... That, and this is, you know, the Lord God, Moses is declaring in Deuteronomy 18, 15, will raise up unto you a prophet from the midst of you, of your brethren like me, uh, unto him you shall hear. And, and what we see there is that God is going to raise up a prophet um, that's like, like Moses, but better. Um, a superior prophet. And so if Jesus is this prophet, you know, and of course we see um, lots of uh, reason for that in the New Testament. Jesus is the only one who can reveal what God has been purposing in history. John uh, 1.14 explains that, Hebrews 1.3, yeah. uh, and, and all of those are, are saying that this Jesus reveals God. That's the role of the prophet. The prophet is to declare the word of God or the words of God uh, to the people. And so Jesus, as our mediator, he instructs us in the things of God. Right. Um, And of course, we want to obey God. We want to be obedient to him and we are unable to. And that's why we need him as priest and king. Um, But the Heidelberg also calls Jesus our chief prophet and teacher who has fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption. Yeah, so the one of the practical, or maybe not practical, well, yeah, one of the practical ways we see this flesh out in the life of a believer is that we uh, continue to grow in our faith via his instruction and teaching. So, um we make progress. We're sanctified. We're, we make progress in our faith because of Christ as prophet. And he's the culmination of all the yeah. prophets. All the prophets before were talking about him. And then he arrives and fulfills all that was said. So it's almost like, um, you know, like uh, those, um, what are they called? They're not marathons, but the they pass the baton. What are those called? Relay. Yeah, relay race. Relay yeah, relay race. racing. Um, you see, there's usually one guy in the in the pack who's gonna be like your key runner, right? <laughs> and everybody else is just trying to stay as close as they can until they can finally get the baton to that guy who's going to smoke everybody else. And man, this kind of picture of 
all of these prophets passing the baton, continue to push the ball, proclaim the words of the Lord um, that Christ is coming. The Messiah will come and he will be like this and it will surprise you and all of these things. And he will care about these things, justice and uh, righteousness and truth. And, and then they give the baton uh, to Jesus and he finishes the race, right? He, he wins the race. <laughs> he, right. he is victorious. Um, and so, uh, Christ through his proclamation, through his teaching, his instruction, uh, we progress in our faith. Why is this important, Matt, you think for maybe somebody who's dealing with, um, extreme anxiety, like how does Christ as prophet, how's that helpful? Yeah. Um, I, well, I think if you think about Romans eight, 28 through 29, which is a really key text for us when we do counseling, sure. Uh, it says that, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good, for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And what I, what I find interesting is the whole purpose is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Yeah. Well, unless Christ is our prophet, and unless he is our instruction, unless we understand that, we cannot live in conformity to him. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, when bad things happen to us, which is sometimes what anxiety uh, comes from, we we fear it happening again. Um, and we can find confidence and hope that we are being conformed into the image of Christ. Uh, the other thing is that we see how Jesus instructs us, right? He says, don't fear uh, the, the one who can destroy the body, right? Or he says, do not be anxious about anything because anxiety won't get you anywhere right. he says don't the the birds and the flowers doesn't the lord doesn't god look over them all the god the father and, and what jesus teaches us is how to have trust in god and then of course you jump over to first peter and we see that jesus entrusted himself to god who judges justly uh while suffering all these uh afflictions on his body on the cross and so so jesus as his in his prophet role reveals who God is, the character of God in a very clear and tangible and and what we say incarnate way, yeah. So that we can have confidence, we can be bold in living to Him and entrusting ourselves to Him, and suffer all things because of the joy of Christ. Yeah, I love that you pointed out, um, like in Matthew six, uh, where he talks through anxiety, right? And, and Jesus instructs, a prophet instructs, it teaches us. And the way he instructs is he brings our mind's eye or our attention to uh, who God is, right? And oftentimes for like an issue with anxiety, right? We're so concerned around uh, or, or disbelieving, right? Or maybe misunderstanding who God is. And so we put ourselves in this central role. I have to control this so I can produce whatever outcome. And if, what if this doesn't happen the way I want, or what if this happens again? And, and that's assuming, right, that God is out of control. Like all of this is out of control and it, it necessitates you being in control. 
And so Jesus says, no, doesn't the Lord take care of the, clothe the fields with flowers and give food to the sparrow? Like uh, he will provide for you. So seek first his kingdom and, right. and he will take care of what you need so that you don't, you know, because you can't be in control, right? Like that's the whole point. So Jesus instructs that in that. So um, for Christ uh, to be alone, we're, what we're saying is Christ is sufficient. Uh, even even in these you know issues we may have spur up in our lives like anxiety, um, but Christ is not only prophet, is he? He's also priest. Um, Mac, you want to map out what the Heidelberg says about uh, Christ as priest? Yeah, it says by the sacrifice of his body has redeemed us and makes continual intercession with the Father for us. Um, The 1689 says, Because of our estrangement from God and the imperfection of our services at best, we need his priestly office to reconcile us to God and render us acceptable to him. So that's what the Heidelberg says. Awesome. So um, for salvation to occur, we know that two things are required, right? Um, and there are two things that we cannot accomplish. We can never meet these things, no matter how hard we try. And believe me, we try, don't we? Um, one is that we have to satisfy, uh, the justice of God through being obedient to all of the law, all of the law. And second, the second thing we can't do is pay the price of our sins. And so, Christ as priest has to accomplish these things for us. Um, you want to talk about how he fulfills the whole of the law? Yeah. So if you look at the book of Hebrews, that's where you really see Christ as priest just just coming out of the pages, right? And what we see is that Jesus Christ let's go back just a minute. A priest has to be consecrated. They have to be made holy uh, through ritual practices, what obedience to the law, et cetera. They have to get themselves holy first. Well, with Christ, Christ is perfectly holy, not only in his substance, but in his actions and his work. And so Christ lived what should have been what Adam did. He lives the perfect uh, sinless life not missing the mark, um, and perfect obedience to the law. So he fulfills the law uh, by his perfect nature, by his perfect work. Um, And so because he is perfect, then he is really the perfect sacrifice, the perfect priest uh, for intercession between us and God. Right. Right. And what, what I love about the Gospels is that it brings it out, right? When something unclean touches Jesus it is made clean, right? And the only thing that could really do that is the altar in the Holy of Holies, Yes, um, you know, in the temple. And so something unclean is made clean by touching the perfect object. Mm-hmm. And so for us, Christ makes us clean because of his intercession. But, but Neil, there's even more to it, isn't there? Of course. Yeah, you know, R- Romans 5.19 says, by the obedience of one, talking about Jesus, shall many be made righteous. And so what Christ did was he fulfilled the law, you know, with every iota, right? With with every 
um, every word to its fullest extent perfectly walks in life, holy and blameless. And then in Romans 5.10, it says that when we are enemies, we are reconciled to God by uh, the death of his son. So there is no other way to come into the presence of God except through Christ alone. And, and there so, shouldn't be. There right? should like, cannot be. If if I if my son sacrificed himself for some reason and someone came to me and said, Well, it was nice of what he did, but I'm gonna go this way. I mean, I can't imagine how upset I would be. Absolutely. Yeah, so so there's our there's our foundation for salvation, right? But there are also um, implications for the believer now for this aspect of Christ. He's continually our priest. He's not. It wasn't a one time deal, right? And and one of the ways or one of the aspects or priestly duties um, we saw in you know in the history of Israel, for instance, is that every year they would go and they would intercede for behalf of the people. And try, like Matt said, they'd sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. They'd appeal for mercy from God to cleanse the people from their sins for another year. And so there's this intercessory work that occurs. There's there's an intercessory and advocacy program of Christ, if you will, right? Yeah. Um, and that this is something Jesus is still doing to this moment forever into eternity, um, that's why Paul says that glory should be given to God through Christ forever in Romans 16, 27. So uh, our prayers, when we pray, we're praying to Jesus um, and we're asking him for help, <laughs> for intercession, right? Um, and then when we sin, well, we have an advocate in Jesus who reminds the accuser that we are his and that he has already paid this price. And Neil, we can't let this this go without talking about Hebrews 4, about our high priest. Uh, in verse 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us take hold of our confession. For we do not have a high priest who, who cannot sympathize with our weakness but one who has been tempted in all things like we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find help, grace to help in time of need. And so the priestly role of Christ provides us with such comfort uh, because we have this high priest. And, and, ver- and chapter 5 even goes on and says, For every high priest taken from among men, is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, being able to gently deal with the ignorant and misguided, since he himself is also beset with weakness. Christ Jesus experienced life as a human, right? And so this high priest went through all the suffering that we go through on a daily, weekly basis. He lived a life of a human being and was tested in every way yet was sinless. And so when we go to God by the blood of Christ, through Jesus Christ, our mediator, we have someone that understands what we are going through. In fact, he's able to deal gently with us because it says we are ignorant, right? Or misguided. And his gentleness comes through because he experienced the suffering 
the the hardship of being an, a human and also the testing that comes from living in a sin-soaked world. Yeah, yeah, um, that's exactly right. And with this is a this is an aspect of or characteristic of our Savior that um, has so many implications for what we deal with. And, uh, and specifically, you know, I was just thinking about like, what is the cause for much shame? I'm sorry, for much despair, it's shame. Um, the enemy likes to fix us, um, by the point of shame. And so when we, when we understand Christ as our priest, we're understanding that, man, he has, he has removed our shame, um, and that he's, he's still doing it. Um, and that's, Man, it's something we don't have to stay stuck in, that we can look upon Christ and see the way forward is through him. Um, but he's not just a prophet and priest. He's also uh, our king. And Joe Beakey wrote that Christ is the king who's ruling over all things. He's ruling over his church. Uh, how is he doing that? Well, he's reigning through the work of his Holy Spirit. You know, Acts 1.8. It says that you, Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's like a royal decree that's happening. You will go forward and do these things, but not absent of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit who will enable you to do such things I'm decreeing you to, to do. Um, he sovereignly gives repentance to the impotent and bestows forgiveness on the guilty. In Acts 5.31, it says, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. You know, each week, Matt, we do this time of confession in our church and assurance of pardon. And we talk through this idea of um this beautiful gift that Christ has given us that we can continually approach him. Just like you said, the throne room of grace to receive grace and mercy to help in our time of need. And it's his sovereign will to forgive us. And so he is the, uh, the King who bestows that, that, um, innocence upon the guilty. Um, and then Christ is our eternal King who governs us. But how does he govern us? By his word and his spirit. So uh, he defends us. He preserves us uh, in our uh, salvation. So he, we will per- the saints will persevere because of the sovereign reign and rule of King Jesus. Uh, he's purchased us for us. It's his. He owns it. And so because of that, we're, the, we're his heirs, right? as he is the heir of the new creation. And he's going to lead us into this eternal kingdom, the kingdom of God. He's the king over. And so there's all this beautiful imagery in the Bible over this idea. And, you know, I think think uh, that, that might be why many of the religious leaders, you know, when you read the Gospels, they're, they're, they're confused. They're perplexed by Jesus and how he's going about things. Versus how they think things should be going, you know, yeah. why aren't you defeating the Romans? Right. Is does, that's what a King does. Um, so what was Jesus doing and securing for us in his life? That is, you know, so much more than that, 
monetary temporary uh, type of kingship that everybody was looking for back then, Matt. Well, when he teaches the disciples to pray, mm-hmm. right, what, what does he teach them to say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and that's what we see is there is a, a spiritual uh, reality that comes before the physical reality. Uh, we see that uh, you know, so often, right? The spiritual promise is given, and there's the benefits that are, are taken, and then the physical comes. And sometimes it's transposed, right? We, we don't want to get that mixed up. But what we see Jesus doing is through his obedience to, to, the, to God the Father, his death on the cross and then the resurrection was the indication of his of his kingly position, right? It was his coronation uh, in many ways, and so you know, Psalm two tells us tells the kingdoms that are raging against the sun uh, to kiss the sun lest he be angry, and and so we have this this image of Jesus Christ now sitting on the throne. Uh, ruling, and what I what I really want to point out is, if Jesus is our King, and we are, you know, the more aligned we are to the King, the less our enemies have any kind of hold against us, right? The closer you are to the throne of of grace, uh, the enemies that are seeking to destroy you are really the enemies that are seeking to destroy. Uh, the king, and so um, there's a there's a lot of value in the in our closeness to the king. Yeah, I think uh, you know. So, what are the implications for this today? Like, why is this a good thing? You know, uh, for the believer. You know, I was just thinking about um, how many people I've talked to who have their salvation is feels unsecure. Right. Yeah. Um, and that causes ang- anxiety. A lot of times causes anger in them. Like they respond uh, to this doubt in many different ways. Um, or they look to, you know, broken cisterns like Jeremiah two thirteen says uh, for this water, they forsake the fountain of living water for broken cisterns. And um, man, what, is, what is Christ doing? Well, he's securing for us an eternal um, an eternal, not just desti- destination, but citizenship. Um, and we're citizens under his reign and rule. And that is never going anywhere. If you're, you're a believer in your heart that Jesus is Lord, right? And he's yeah. the Lord of your life. And so, um, man, like how firm a foundation to step, uh, to stand on when you understand Christ, who is sovereign ruler of our lives and of the kingdom of God. And not only that, but he he's establishing a kingdom of priests. Yeah. Right. And that's what Revelation is, is really telling us in uh, Revelation 1, verse 6. And he has made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the might forever and ever. Amen. Hmm. Uh, Joel Beakey in that article we had mentioned earlier, he says we can continue in the Christian life only as we live obediently under Christ's rule and by his power, right? His rule and power. Uh, I'm reminded of, of Luke, I believe it's six where he says, you know, why do you say Lord, Lord, 
to me, yet don't do what I command. Right. Right. And, and that's a, a promise and a warning. Uh, we have we have the lordship of Christ that we submit ourselves to. I love that you said that. It made me immediately go to John five twenty four, uh, and Jesus says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, ever hears my words and believes in the one who sent me will not enter into judgment, but will pass from death to life." And so, man, this this sola Christ alone is one as a Christian as a follower of Jesus, like a believer, man, we must treasure it. We must love it because, man, it's everything you are is built on who Christ is and what he has done for you. And so, man, I pray that stirs up in you affections and worship for our Lord Jesus. And uh, man, we're excited to continue in this series. It's been a it's been a blessing for Matt and I to talk through. Um, the Reformation and and man, all these things that like brought countless numbers of people out of darkness into light. And so, man, we we thank God for for Christ, our Mediator. Until next time, that's the Gospel Lifeline podcast. Neil and Matt, we out.